someone introduced people to Billy Graham, someone introduced R.C. Sproul, someone introduced all the, you know, the Andy Stanleys, the Charles Stanleys, the, the people that, that are well known per se. So that's what we talked about last week, and I introduced that I was going to be talking about this, and I know that in some denominations, because we've got a, a pretty big class, and I know a lot of y'all's story, a lot of y'all came from different denominations, so this might be of interest to you, because you may have never heard uh, Pastor Johnny or, or, or a pastor speak on this, so I'm going to do it from a Sunday school perspective, so really when you do that, you're going to teach on it, and hopefully you get to soak it in, so I would imagine the next week or three uh, the next next week and the week after maybe we'll, we're gonna we're gonna dive into this in this subject and the doctrine uh, known as eternal security and uh, I'm gonna do my best to do it it's it's um, the, you read about it and there's proponents heavily for it sort of speak and heavily against it sort of speak and then there's some in between that take a little bit of both and and then some just don't don't stand on it at all but um, I, I'm going to give you what, what my studies have led to, and, and here's what I hope. First of all, you go to a Baptist church, so I'll show, I'll show you that in the Baptist church, we really have the Baptist faith and message that a lot of you who have been born and raised in the Baptist church know, kind of the official uh, documentation, if you will, of, of the leaders of the Baptist faith, or denomination, I should say, and what we believe, and we'll talk about that. But really, I hope that it, if nothing else, it'll get you interested into going into Scripture. And that's part of my calling as a teacher is to get you interested in Bible study, get you interested in going and digging for yourself. So what I may believe, you may not believe, okay? But that's okay. I mean, you, you can be wrong, but, 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 but it's, it's okay if, if you guys go for yourself and read for yourself. So let's just... Let's just start there. Here's what I've got. There, and I'm going to be jumping around a lot of places today. So if you're taking notes, maybe at the end of this, I may give some notes out um, in a couple of weeks for those who may want it or email it out. But um, there's three names that the classical, the, the classical view or doctrine that, re, that we refer to in the Baptist church. And what do we call it in the Baptist church? What do you hear the old timers say? Anybody? What? No. Once saved, always saved. Okay. I don't know that that's the classical, classical doctrine, you know, but it's, it's referred to three different ways that I could find. And the last one that I'll mention is it, we're going to talk about in next week's lesson because there's some, di there's some differences. The first one is that Baptists have made famous. We're famous for, if you've ever heard anyone downgrade you as a denomination, here's what they usually say. Once saved, always saved. You know those Baptists, they believe once you're saved, you don't have to live holy and righteous and pure, and you can do whatever you want and still make it to heaven. And, that, and you'll hear that. If you haven't, if you ever argue with someone in a godly way, if there is such a thing, or stand on your principle and say, here's what I believe, they will say, oh, you must be a Baptist, once save, always save. But don't feel alone. We're definitely not the only denomination that practices this doctrine and believes in this doctrine, if you will. So once saved, always saved, Baptist made famous, I guess. Eternal security of the believer is really what the doctrine uh, that most people refer it to, uh, refer it as. And the last one is real interesting 
and we're going to cover this one next week. We might touch on it this week. It's called, uh, uh, well, let me, how, how can I put it? Perseverance of the saints is, is most, what most people call it, okay? And some people believe that it's the same exact thing as, as uh, once saved, always saved, and eternal security. And then there's those that believe it definitely is not. Because you have some people that will, that, will, that will teach eternal security I don't believe in, but perseverance of the saints I do believe in, and they have a difference. And so we're going to talk about those differences. And one guy we're going to really look at that we mentioned last week when we get to perseverance of the saints, probably next week, is Peter. He's got the classical example of how you persevere as a Christian, okay, how you work your way through. And so we'll talk about those three things, but basically I titled the lesson, The Doctrine of Eternal Security. Here's, um, <clears throat> here's what I define that, because some of you may have, what in the world are you talking about? So let's kind of walk that through. And by the way, my hearing's not good today. I have had an ear infection this week, and it feels like I'm in a swimming pool you, when you get the water in your ear and you can't hear out of one. So I apologize if I come across a little, a little strange speaking today. Here's what I define uh, uh, eternal security. Once a person, his or her soul, has become quickened by the Holy Spirit, born by the Spirit, and justified through faith in Christ and therefore placed in a state of salvation. Some would say regeneration. Some of your denominations you've come out of would say conversion. Okay, so I hope I covered them all. Salvation, regeneration, conversion, there's a few others. That, that person, in fact, never loses his or her salvation. Never loses it. That is the doctrine, the definition of eternal security and I stole that definition there's many but they're all similar I got that one from R.C. Sproul Rex by the way welcome back Marty welcome back we welcomed you back but y'all were out in the hallway socializing eating donuts getting coffee um, but uh, welcome back so you know there's denominations that don't practice that doctrine that, when I say practice that's the wrong word they don't believe in that doctrine they practice it and they'll practice it on their way to heaven but they, they don't believe in that doctrine. So I, I took one, okay, I took one. Now, a lot of denominations within what I would call the Christian faith um, certainly have split on that, and split thoughts on that. So we're not going to go into all that. But I picked one, and some of you may agree that the Roman Catholic Church has uh, Christians in it. And I would agree with you. Uh, this is just my personal opinion. This is not, um, uh, some would say no way. You know, um, I, I know I was raised in the Catholic Church, and I know their doctrines. But, but what I would say is that I have met, a, I, I have met quite a few Catholics uh, that I believe are saved. I just disagree with their doctrine to the nth degree. I disagree with their doctrine. Some things they're right on that are biblical, and some things that, that they don't, to me, are totally not biblical. Um, as an example, um, some of you who are raised in the Catholic Church— or even consider yourself Catholic. Uh, I went to a Catholic. Um, I went to a Catholic uh, wedding one time, and I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this. Prior to the wedding, they actually offered prayers up for five or six people. It was in the wedding invitation, or not the invitation. What do they call that, ladies? When you come down, 
the program, thank you. And literally they prayed for folks who had already died and they were praying them towards heaven, okay? I, I, I don't see that in the scripture anywhere, okay? So that's just an example. But to the doctrine that we're talking about, eternal security, listen to this. There are clearly some denominations that strongly challenge this belief and doctrine. The Roman Catholic Church, by the way, just one example of many, believes certain sins removed, if you will, and justifying of the, the justifying of grace that God gives us that is in the soul. For instance, they call it mortal sins. There is sin, they believe, that could remove you from eternal security because they don't believe in eternal security in that way, that would remove you from being saved or under the grace. And such a sin in their denomination, if you will, requires restoration and sacrament of penance. And some of you from the Catholic Church might know that, those words, uh, sacri uh, sacrament of penance. Many other denominations argue that this doctrine is incorrect, and some within our own denomination disagree among themselves. By and large, if you meet a Baptist, and they've been a Baptist, and they're familiar with the Baptist in faith, and they're familiar with the scriptures that are claimed on that from their pastors or Sunday school teachers. By and large, most Baptists believe in eternal, uh, in eternal uh, security. Okay, so, but that's by and large. So I want to lay all that out, right? So um, here's what I'll do. Let me be clear. If you take certain scripture verses and apply them individually without looking at the entire canon of scripture, I hope y'all caught all that, it becomes a challenge to decipher truth. And what I mean by that is, can I go to Revelations and pick a scripture and you would go, no way, eternal security right there. There's no way that matches up. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's all There's many scripture that I'll say this morning from my end, not your end, that the other side of eternal security that don't believe in it, you could pick a verse and write that verse down, and if you guys read that verse, you go, well, there it is. I mean, obviously, there's no eternal security. But here's the deal we know. When studying Scripture, and I could give you many examples that are way, way, way outside of eternal security, and we've studied them in here with Bible prophecy, you have to take the whole canon, Joe, of Scripture and look at it. You can't look at one verse in Peter and one verse in Revelation and then make your decision. You have to look at everything and then bring it back together and say, what is the Bible God's word teach on this. Can I give you an example? Let me just give you an example. Most of you, if I gave you a test question this morning, would struggle with this because it's not an easy subject, okay? Not, not eternal security, what I'm about to give you as my example. If I were to ask you, is there a difference between the Holy Spirit of the Old Testament and the Holy Spirit of the New Testament, describe for me in great detail what they are and put you in a box and you can't cheat, and you can't look at your Bible, and just tell me what you think from your Bible study and your upbringing, many of you would struggle with that. If you admitted it, you would struggle with that. But can I give you an example? In Psalms 51 or 52, as I recall it, David prays, and he asks the Lord to not remove the Holy Spirit from him. Prior to that, David sees that King Saul has the Holy Spirit removed from him. You remember? Holy Spirit's on Saul as the king. And at a certain point, with some things he had done wrong, we've studied that in here, by the way, some time ago, the Lord removes the Holy Spirit from Saul. So King David prays that. But we have something unique that happens at Pentecost. 
And Jesus actually teaches that the Holy Spirit doesn't leave. He indwells you in here in the New Testament church. In the Old Testament, he comes on the scene for specific things that he wants to be done. But then his Holy Spirit leaves at certain times as well. We read it in the, in, in the scripture. It's, 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 if you took it in the Old Testament, Rosemary, you would say the Holy Spirit comes and goes. Just comes and goes. Just comes and goes. But if we study our New Testament, remember this, you can pray for feelings of the Holy Spirit, not feelings, whoa, whoa, feelings, not that song. Feelings, like fill my tea jar up, right, to the brim. Feelings of the Holy, I'm still pronouncing that wrong because I am Southern, um, but F-I-L-L-I-N-G-S, right? I'm just making sure y'all understand because I am saying it wrong. Um, my vernacular is not quite as bad as Johnny's, but it is bad. So when I say all that, you guys may be blown away and say, my gosh, I didn't know that. And I hope you didn't. And maybe you'll go study it. But again, to my point, if you look, Rex, at Psalms 51 or 52, whatever that is, and you study where Saul has him removed, you may be living in a way and think the Holy Spirit can be removed from you. And by the way, denominations teach that. And Jesus clearly says that the Holy Spirit indwells in you. The helper's coming. When the helper comes, he will live in you. He doesn't talk about the Holy Spirit leaving us that I can find. Okay, so it's a difference. Why a difference? I'm not God, you're not God, so I can't answer that. I can't answer that. All I know is Jesus has come, and he said when I leave, the helper will come. And sure enough, he came on, on Pentecost, didn't he, Jason, in the upper room. And um, I don't know, how many of you saw uh, the History Channel, the Bible, th this past week? Wasn't it a, um, and, and I found, of course, as a teacher and being that I think I'm Mr. Theologian, I guess some of you would say, even though I'm not. But I found some issue with a lot of what they showed. But I, I glorify the Lord and thank the Lord. I mean, this is bringing people. I traveled with a guy last week, and he went and bought the book. There's a book, it's yay thick, of this series. And he read it. Say what? Well, <laughs> not exactly, because they didn't follow the Bible. But, but they have a book on how they made it, right? How they, how they did the series, as I understand it. And he bought it, and dude, he was reading it last week as we were, we were traveling three days together. He came back this week. He's a Christian anyway. But it, has, it, it really, when he watched it, the Bible came to life. And see, people that don't study the Bible, it doesn't come to life. So he was really enthralled with it. So I praise God for it. Now, did I find some issue with it? Absolutely, and we won't go into that. I haven't seen every one of them. But I did think it was neat, neat, I didn't say truth all the way, but it was cool their rendition to me of Acts. Did you see them when they were in the upper room and the Holy Spirit came on them and they began to speak in tongues and the joy in which they had, because they were sad before, because they had seen Jesus and he's dead. And, they, and the Spirit comes on them and they're looking at each other going, man, Rex, why are you speaking Russian? It's the coolest thing. And I understand every word you're saying. It was kind of really neat to see how they acted. Uh, I, I enjoyed that rendition of reading it. So here's, I'm getting lost in my point. You have to take all the canon of scripture in order to find your answer. And guess what? Most of us, we're too lazy to do that, me included. That, that's a lot of studying. So before you, before you can be a professor of theology, per se, or a uh, a pastor of a very large church that you're put on every across the world on the internet 
and TV, you better have looked at all the canon because you could likely get one verse and someone might come up to you and say, well, what about this verse? And, that, and thus the, 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 the terminology that you probably have studied some uh, in, in Bible scholars uh, are now getting really hot on, and I love it too, Ravi Zacharias, Ken Ham, apologetics, right? And some of the guys that are great from yesteryear. Apologetics is just being able to defend your faith. So if you were asked today, Jason, do you believe in eternal security? You would say, yes, I do. It's a whole different thing to say, yes, I do, and say, uh, would you like to come to the board and tell me why? Hmm, no. <laughs> yeah, but we should be able to defend it somewhat. And I'm not saying you'll forget, you, you will forget a lot of this. I will forget a lot of this, but that's why I wanted to teach on this. I wonder how many times we're challenged on things that we believe that we can't defend. All right, so let's look at the whole scripture. Can I read to you just a, a, a of course I can. What are you going to do about it? Um, the, the Baptist Faith and Message, Article 4, reads this way. Just listen, this is very short. Here's what the Baptist Faith and Message for Baptist, Southern Baptist believes. Our leadership through the years. And by the way, that's a very protected doctrine. It is hard to get a change in that doctrine. I mean, you got to be Jerry Vines-ish. you got to be, you know, you got to have uh, Adrian Rogers when he was like, I mean, all these guys, uh, they're very careful with it. So, to hold firm. Yeah, and if, if you never have, it's a pretty short, uh, go in, look up, Google, boom, you're on it, PDF file, read the Baptist and Faith message to your point and see what your Baptist denomination that you're a member of the church or you're, you're attending this church. Here's what it says about eternal security, very short. All true believers endure to the end. Did you notice that key word? True believer. And, and we're, we're about to sit on that for a second, okay? All true believers endure to the end. Those who God has accepted in, I'm going to put, I'm going to give you, they, they don't do that, but in Christ and sanctified by his spirit will never fall away from the state of grace. I like that because that just takes really to my point of eternal security. Why I believe it, it's on God, Jason, not on us. It's on God. And that's the answer, really, to a lot of this. We'll never fall away from the state of grace, but shall persevere, notice they got that word in there, to the end. Persevere to the end. In other words, can I just give you 2013 language? If you're truly saved, you will persevere to the end. Will you fall away? Yes. There may be a falling away period, but you will persevere through to the end. Okay? Believers may fall into sin through neglect and temptation, whereby they grieve the spirit. Can I give you an example? Adultery. Can you be saved and have adultery? I believe you can, but I believe you bet if you're a Christian, you will repent of that and per, uh, persevere to the end. Okay, so follow me here. <clears throat> Believers may fall into sin through neglect and temptation, whereby they grieve the Spirit, impair their graces and comforts, bring reproach on the cause of Christ, and temporal judgments on themselves, yet they shall be kept, watch that, 
kept, Mark, kept, kept, kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Notice it didn't say it shall be kept by Jeff and his actions. No, kept by God. By God. No one shall pluck him from his hand. We're going to get to all this, okay, in the coming weeks. But it's important to know why I read this is you need to know what your denomination believes, what Johnny is preaching. And are there pastors in the Southern Baptist Convention that don't believe that to the T? Of course. Baptist is 18 million last time I looked at it, followers in the Southern Baptist. Biggest denomination, uh, you know, in the United States in that regard. They all come together agreeing as one. Um, so, I say as one, you know what I'm saying, under the denomination. But, again, here's all I'll say. Baptist faith and message, Rex just said it. He would know way more about it than I would. Many guys have laid down the sword. Many guys have gone to battle to hold that in there. I don't care what that says. I care what this says. Right here. So, that's, that's my point. Can I stop for a second and just say this? Because some of you might be wondering. You don't know a lot about this, but... When I think of eternal security and the arguments against that, meaning this, that, that the promises of God are conditional. And by the way, we studied prophecy, and many, Joe, were conditional. It's just that this one's not, in my opinion. So God does give conditional promises, right, to Israel. He said, you do this, and I'll do this. You don't do this, and I won't do this. But this is not one of those. My great-uncle John that you heard me t talk about all the many times that I said is my, my, my most outstanding Christian I ever met. He's important to me. Y'all get that. He didn't believe in eternal security. I didn't sit down and argue with him. He's a very smart guy. But sometimes I think we can get just too smart for our own self to just look at the Word and look at the whole canon and say, what does it say? What is it pointing us to? And here's, a, here's an interesting thing. You know how I try to give you guys, I say I, I'm not the smartest guy. I try to do common sense things, which I think a lot of people appreciate that aren't as, as wise and they're not as intelligent because I'm not that guy. I'm a guy that just is common sense, okay? And when I get there, I say the apostle died for the cause. I know they saw him because they died for the cause. That to me is real, real. I mean, I can teach you all day long, but you can put your fingers on that one and go, yeah, Alan, you wouldn't die for the cause unless you saw him come back, right? In this one, here's a small one of those. Why would Jesus give us examples of Christians that were in churches and how we should treat them if they're outside the will of God? They're brothers. He, he never said they weren't brothers or sisters. Did you know if you read the word, you can find, and we, we might even, I might even throw some of these at you later on, but... He actually goes in through his apostles and says, when a guy does this, this is what you're supposed to do. Take him and go one-on-one -on -one or one-on-two and eventually maybe one-on-three. We, we practice that in the Baptist church a lot. Deacons do that. Y'all might not know it. Brian, uh, how many deacons in here? Anybody besides Brian and I? Okay, that's not fun, by the way. It, it's, it's not fun to go to a guy and say, brother, we know you're living in adultery and uh, we, we know it. And you need to get right with God, okay? And, and here's the principles. Why does God lay out in the New Testament a way to treat people inside the church to the point that when you get to a certain point, he says, almost kick them out. Have them leave. You've gone to them once, twice, have them leave. Now, that's not what this lesson's about. 
Why do I say that? Because if you don't believe in eternal security, here's my question. How do you know when you're outside? How do you know what's in and how do you know what's out? How do you know what sin has been committed that would kick you out of the faith and the grace and all that? And now you've got to be redone, if you will, reborn again or whatever you want to say it. Okay, and I'm not going on that side quite yet. But I think it's interesting. It's like the apostles who came back and saw Jesus. Why would Jesus give instructions to the apostles to say, when a church member, a believer, is outside of the will of God, Jason, here's how you treat them. Why would he give that instructions instead of just saying, hey, if they, if they do this, they're out. They're out. And they need to be redone, reborn, regenerated. Again, a re-regenerated. Y'all follow what I'm saying? I just found that interesting. So, yes. Absolutely. Yep, and I'm going to visit James 2.17, and you're right on target there, and, and, and I agree with you. It, you. You have a, that's the breakdown, right? If you take the whole canon, and you can find scripture where you can absolutely preach on, obviously there's no eternal security. You've got to do this, this, and this. But when you look at it all, you have to look at all of it, and then you come to those conclusions. So let's go down this road together. There are four elements of salvation, okay? Now this, I, I know you, hopefully you all are saved, and if you're not, we'll get that taken care of right after class. Just come up here and we'll, we'll knock that out, and, 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 and I would love to do that if there's anyone not saved. But here's what I've got, four things. Number one, regeneration. New heart. Change takes place. Number two, justification. Justification. Number three, sanctification. You all know that as Baptists sanctified are you sanctified my uncle john used to say because he didn't believe in eternal security how's your sanctification process going son that's what he'd say to me i'd say it's going good sir um but i knew what he meant i knew what he meant in other words are you outside of his holiness outside of his purity and so forth okay so sanctification is number three and four and we're going to get there Matter of fact, because I believe in eternal security, you're as good as you're already there, Jeff. You're as good, Mark, as you'll ever be. Glorification comes last. Glorification. Okay? So how does one get saved? Don't you have to answer that if you believe in eternal security? How do you get saved? Golly, look. I, I have this in my, script, in my Bible just in case I draw a blank. And Sonia goes down to the front this morning, and they were to ask me, Rex, and I know here we have a ministry that does that. At other churches I've served, if you were led to go down, you went down. I think it's a great idea that you got people that know what they're talking about in, in, the, uh, in the altar call, right? But I, in case, Mark, I have my, my altar call scripture right here, okay? John 3, 16, John 14, don't write these down yet. John 14, 6, Acts 4, 12, Romans 3, 10, 3, 23, 1 John 1, 8, so on, so forth, so on. Romans Road, right there, right? And I can just go right down there. You want assurance? Here's your assurance. Okay, but what are the, the scriptures that I would point to? This is just me. Because you've got to know how to be saved or what you need to do to be saved to believe in eternal security that you're saved forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen.
All right. How is one saved, born again, regenerated, converted? Romans 6.23. Okay, I'm going to just give you four or five. Romans 6.23 for your notes. Listen to this. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. There it is. I'm, this is a lesson on eternal security. The gift of God. I don't know too many people that give gifts and then ask for them back. I know what they call that, and I'll take offense to that if you say that, because I am 50% Cherokee Indian. Y'all get that later. All right. <laughs> For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Uh, the gift of God is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Excuse me. John 19.30. And you might say, what in the world? That one isn't on my list. That one is not on my list. It is for eternal security. Listen, one of the statements made from the cross by Jesus himself, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up the spirit. You and I can't, to this young lady's point, do anything to earn salvation. Jesus said in his last statement, it is finished. What he meant, if you studied the whole thing, was it's done. I'm done, Father. Everything you asked me to do has been done. Now it's up to faith and grace. Okay? It is finished. Nothing more, nothing less. Now, later we're going to talk in James, if we get there today or tomorrow, or, or excuse me, next week. Uh, you got to come back tomorrow. Um, later we're going to talk about where James, and I love, my favorite New Testament book outside of Revelations because I love prophecy is James. Y'all know that. I've taught from it many times. Our pastor loves James. It is so direct. So later we're going to talk about, yes, if you're saved, you will have works. But works don't get you saved. It's not that way. But it definitely is a sign that you're saved, okay? So John 19, 30. Romans 10, 9, 10, my favorite. Because I just think you can say this to a child like Blake, Madison, Morgan, uh, Hope, all these children that come in here. If... That if you confess with your mouth, and that word if is important, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart, two things there, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay, so confession on Jesus the rest of your life, I confess him, I'm a follower, yes I don't deny him, that's a sure sign that you're saved, and it goes on to say, you will be saved, for with the heart one believes into righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. That's why Baptists practice this. Come on down to the front. Come on down to the front. Going down to the front in the old-timey churches, Mark, I think some people, I know some people, thought that's what got you saved. No. They have you come down to the front. You're probably saved before you ever left with your white knuckles on the bench. Because once you make that statement and you go forward, you're believing already. You, I'm going down. You might, you might say a prayer. You might be led in a prayer. But your heart makes its change internally where no one can see it. The reason we Baptists and Methodists and several others say come on down to the front is when you get saved, we want you to tell everybody you got saved because of that verse right there. Okay, the... The last one I have is Romans 10, 13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It didn't say, Joe, it does say call, but it didn't say, Joe, you couldn't do that in your heart. 
I can't judge, you know, some people have salvation experiences where they fall all over themselves, cry, man, I've, uh, repent, of course repentance is in there, and I have another scripture for that, where they repent, and they are thinking of their sins, and they cry, but a lot of times children will come forward, and it's as simple as, I believe in the Lord, and I don't want to go to hell, and I, I now understand the scripture, and I want to I want to follow the Lord and in, in, in believers baptism something like that right John you probably see that down there but then there's adults that are in their 30s who man they've got a stack of stuff that they know what they did was not right right and they come down with greater burdens they're still both saved they're still it's just like worship some worship this way some worship you know hopping over pews and some worship very reverently they still worship. So these doctrine or this doctrine first has to be understood. And how do you get saved? By the way, if you're making a note, I think another important one is Luke 24, 45 through 47. And it basically tells us we must repent. You remember what John the Baptist said, repent. Okay, so you can't have a sorrowful heart unless you repent. And repentance is this, it, it, very simply to me, is you're heading in this direction in the world's ways. Whoop, I just found out something. And I believe in it, and now I'm heading this way. Does it mean you never look back over your shoulder? No. And I'm, that's not a doctrine thing. I'm just saying in a, in, a, in, a, in a way to describe it. So the question asked by many is this, and, and we're not having care groups this morning, so I've got a few more minutes. But the question asked by many is this, and I know you've heard this. If, if you've ever witnessed long enough, to an individual or to people, Here, here's something you've heard. <clears throat> Once saved, always saved. Then <clears throat> you as a believer could choose to live any way you want. So you could go from the church house uh, and be there for five years and be dedicated to the Lord. And then you could just decide, you know what? I, I mean, I've learned about grace and I've learned about eternal security. And man, I believe because now it's given me an open door to just go live any way I want to. And I know when I take my last breath where I'm going because... That's what I've been taught. Then you've learned the wrong thing. Those serious believers and theologians and teachers and pastors and so forth that believe, excuse me, in eternal security would say they would cry foul on that, on what I just read to you. No, no, no. You can't do what you want. You know why? Because if you're going back to the Baptist in faith, if you truly were born again, you won't want to do those things. It's like Johnny says almost every Sunday. He, here he goes. You can see him when he gets, I used to manage a pool room. And you, and you know what's coming next because you've heard it. But the reason is he saw such a change that he didn't want to do the things he used to want to do. He was convicted of those things. Did I say he never gambled again? He would tell you, I, I think he did a total change. But do people go back to alcohol do people go back to uh, gambling or whatever their habit was that convicted them of sin? Of course they do sometimes. We're flesh. But that doesn't mean their heart goes back to the way it was. And that's the difference in what we're teaching. The faith in Jesus is that Jesus paid it all, Sabrina, and he said, it is finished. And when you put your faith truly in Jesus and you really mean what you say, and you put action to it, change occurs. And it's not temporary change. And here's what happens, you all know, you'll all shake your head. You go commit whether you consider it the simplest of sins or a great sin. Okay, let me give you a, 
You walk in and you're, you're, uh, you're, you're married to a young woman and you walk in and she's with someone else and you in a fit of rage shoot the man. But you were saved. Is that possible? Sure it is. Sure it is. Charles Lowry said, we still wearing the Adam suit. Isn't that what he said? We got the Adam suit on. The heart may change, but we have these temporary things. Will God forgive you of that? Is that a terrible thing? Yes. But will God forgive you? Yes. Yes. But you don't purposely, like the people that will ask you that question, go, hey, man, we're going out. You, you, the, the word used to be in my dad's day and y'all's parents' day. Uh, we're going out honky-tonking tonight. Y'all, we're going out to... To, to, to the club tonight, but you know in your heart that the things that go on at the club aren't what God would want you to be doing. And so that's where the people said it's almost like a get-out-of-jail-free card. You've probably heard that. That's not the doctrine of eternal security. That's not what we're talking about. That's why we're going to get into the perseverance of the saints, because we learn that it's constant pursuing. We fail, but we come back, Jason. We fail, we come back. Did Peter fail? Yes. We're going to study that. We're going to talk about that. Um, to this question, I said many advocates of the eternal security doctrine that believe in it would cry foul. The argument then becomes, were they ever regenerated, Todd, to begin with? And there lies where I want to spend a few moments before we close. 80% of Americans, Alan, say they're Christians. 80%. of one country, I know that there's 7 billion, I think. Is that right, Morgan, in the world? 7 billion? So the United States is very minuscule to that. But if you take by average, Tina, and you look at the scripture that wide is the way that leads to where? Destruction. Is that scripture? then how would you presume, presume that our 80% of our nation is truly, truly born again? I don't see how that could be. I know that's not the case. And how I know that that's not the case is the laws that we pass and the what that we put up for, uh, the what to we put up for, if that's even the word, it, it, what we put up with as American citizens is not Christian anymore. We're a far cry from the 1950s, folks, and even before that. There is no way you could convince me, no attorney in this world could convince me that 80% of this country is saved. Here's what I tell you, they're delusioned. They want to be in, but they don't really want to be in. They want to be in on Sunday. They want to be in when the sheep goat judgment takes place, when God says, depart from me, but they don't want to be in Monday through Saturday they want to do what they want. They want to talk the way they want. They want, to, they want to displease God on those days. And then when it comes down to it, truthfully, they want to be the thief on the cross. They want to have to do nothing but place faith and say that it's faith. And to that I say it's dangerous. I can't judge Jason. Jason can't judge me, although the Bible does. We hear all the time, judge not lest you be judged. But be careful with that because Jesus said you can look at the fruits. So we have to... Look at the whole canon, okay? You can tell who a Christian is. You, you can be around them, and I can tell Sonia's heart. If I'm a Christian and she's a sister in Christ, I can tell, I believe, okay? I believe that. But the reality is that we, 
People that are advocates, or excuse me, people that are against eternal security will use that over and over and over again. And to that I say, 80% of America is not Christian. So watch this word. If you're using for eternal doc, uh, uh, if you're using for eternal security the doctrine, if you're using as judgment anything other than the word of God, you're wrong. If you're using Rex or me or Brian as your, as your denominator, you're wrong. If you're using people is what I'm saying, you're wrong. You can't use a person for a denominator. Some of you are saying, what are you talking about? If 80% of Americans say they're Christian and then you would divulge into that and say, if that's Christianity, then, then I don't believe in eternal security because some people have lost their way. They've lost their faith. But see, you can't use a person for a denominator in this doctrine. You have to use the word of God. People are imperfect. Many people have claimed to be Christians and yet they know not God. Can I get you, and the last thing I'll read is turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. And let me point this out, and we'll end on this as we come back. I hope I've piqued your interest. I hope I will have a big number here next week because I think this is needed. God's laid this on my heart, and I hope maybe this will give you peace in some area you don't have peace, or this might help you in a future conversation. <clears throat> Matthew 7, 13 through 14, by the way, is wide as the way that leads to destruction. If you wanted to make notes on that, or if you're listening to this later on simulcast or whatever, and you want to look that up. But Matthew 7, where I want to point you, is to the verses of 21 and 23. Okay? And N Tony Nolan preached on this not too long ago, and I loved his title. <gasps> Y'all remember that? I thought that was just very, very cool. And the reason he did this is, as he said, these will be the most shocked people in all the Bible. Now, this is scary because we're, ta <clears throat> we're talking eternal damnation. We're not talking about they got it wrong and it's 0 for 1, Mark. No, no, this is 0 for the ballgame. Listen to this. <clears throat> Verse 20, therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Not everyone, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. You see, can I stop for a second and say, the change has to take place. If you don't notice a change in your life, you're probably not born again. Matter of fact, I would say by scripture, you're not born again. There has to be a change of your want to's. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. You notice there, people are still calling him Jesus. They're still saying, you are Lord. But he's about to tell them, but your works, I never knew you. you. You didn't know me. There was not a relationship. How many of you would say, how many, all of you, participate with me. How many of you know who George Washington is? Okay. How many of you know how many wooden teeth he had? You'd be guessing, admit it. How many of you know his wife's name? Okay. How many of you know what his favorite thing to do was? Okay. Okay, could I go on? You don't know George Washington. You know him. You ever heard of the Spanish word, conozco? Anybody know that word? Uh, <laughs> bilingual. It's a knowledge, head knowledge, right? 
We know George Washington. He's a founding father. We don't know George Washington like I know Rex, and Rex knows me. There's no personal. See, that's what he's saying right there. You knew who I was, but you didn't know who I was. Listen to him, 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And some of you would stop right there and say, a guy preached in his name? A guy healed in his name? Jeff, have you ever healed? Has Johnny ever healed? Has Rex ever healed? Has, pick them. No, a lot of people have never healed in his name. But guess what? The Bible says this word doesn't go out void. And in the sign and wonders days of the Bible, Jesus didn't come back void. But that doesn't mean the man that was proclaiming Jesus knew Jesus. I don't understand that. You don't have to. <laughs> I don't have to. I'm just reading you what the scripture says. You can leave it there. I'll get it in a minute. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? Here's the key verse, 23. And then I will declare to them. Can you imagine? They knew they were in, Paul. They just knew they were in. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Lawlessness? I preached in your name. Didn't do anything in my name. You didn't know me. You had no relationship with me. Wow. Wow. When I was reading that this week, and of course I knew that scripture for a long time, the most shocked people in the Bible, Tony Nolan says, what are you saying, Jeff? I'm saying when you decide for yourself the belief you have on what the word of God says and teaches about eternal security of the believer, don't use people as your judge. God just told you through Jesus that that is the wrong denominator. I know you've not heard this. I didn't get that. That was something I studied and said, people are looking at people as their denominators for eternal security and to being saved. That's not what you look at. You better look at the word of God and look at your own heart and get that settled. Don't use people as the denominator, but instead use the word. Use God's word to settle your heart and belief and be able to stand on it. Let me ask you a real serious question as we close. Would God want his precious children to know that they are his children? Or would he likely rather keep them guessing if they had stayed holy or pure enough? This is the measurement, right? The weight and balance of God. Would God say, I just want you guessing all the way to the end? I don't think so. I, I really think the scripture tells us that. I mean, even the thief, what did you, Jesus mustered up enough to tell him what? Today. He, did he have to say that? No, but I don't know. I just look at that, Rex, and I think he's hanging on the cross. He's dying for our sins. He's got the cup is poured on him. He not only was dying, he had the cup of sin poured on him. Heavier than the cross, heavier. And he says to the guy, today you will be with me in paradise. He gives him assurance. Next week we're going to start, if I can remember, we're going to start in 1 John. And the reason we're going to start in 1 John is because we're working our way to eternal security doctrine right here. But you've got to lay this foundation, I believe, first. John is going to say, you can know that you're a Christian. God wants you to know, and we'll do the three-part test, that you can know you're a Christian. And then we're going to dive into James to the works. 
And then we'll talk about perseverance of the saints and compare that to eternal, doc, uh, eternal doctrine, eternal security. I really hope after this that you, you can choose for yourself, yes, but I hope that you will see that you can explain and defend you as a Baptist, if you is one, you as a Baptist, eternal security, and what peace that gives the believer. Not to go sin, but that you can rest better at night, Joe. Here's the deal. No one, it ain't about Joe. It just isn't. It's about what God said. It is finished. It's about what we'll read next week, the sealing of the Holy Spirit. You don't seal something. When Jesus' tomb was sealed, one of the main reasons we say he rose was because he sealed it with a signet. There was a signet of the Roman seal on there, and there was guards watching every four hours, and Jesus still rose. That's part of the apologetics of the resurrection, how we know it wasn't a, sw a swoon death and they didn't steal him. No, they didn't steal him. He walked out. He moved the stone. The same way. When you got saved and I got saved, the Bible teaches, and I'll show you, you some of you certainly know it, it says you were sealed, Jason, with the Holy Spirit for the rest of eternity. You're his. He sees your heart. He owns you. Yep. A lot of times you disappoint and I disappoint, but he owns you. When you get sealed, you're, you got every bit, and I know we have denominations that teach otherwise, you got every bit of the Holy Spirit when you got saved. I don't care if you jumped the pew, spoke in tongues. I don't care if you prayed. I don't care if Johnny Hunt baptized you that day. I don't care if Billy Graham led you in the sinner's prayer. You and I got every bit of the Holy Spirit when we got saved. Let's dismiss. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the great attention that I saw in the eyes of the people. That just encourages me. And um, God, I pray that you would use this doctrine. I, you know, Lord, in front of you and you only did I pray, God, let me speak truth. Never let me speak in a, a, a non-truth statement. I've done that unintentionally before. Uh, Lord, let me be truthful. Let me help, help me lead these people in a simple childlike way to learn eternal security and what they can believe and study for themselves and and just really when they lay down at night to know that it's all on you grace alone faith alone christ alone god thank you for the promises in the word lord help us to have a good day today in jesus name amen